Welcome to Heartland Christian Center Sermon of the Week. You will be able to find more Heartland sermons at hcc.ag or Heartland Christian Center YouTube channel. Please like, follow, and share this podcast with others. We hope you enjoy this week's message by our lead pastor, Dr. Phil Willingham. We want to welcome all of our campuses. Man, our campuses are filling up on Sunday mornings. Wanital, North Johnson, Hebron Campus. And, and the people watching online, I know Calvin and Danita, we don't give you shout-outs enough, but you're way out there in that God-forsaken country. No, I'm just kidding. You're, you're in a beautiful part of the country, but a shout-out to Calvin and Danita. Come on, would you give all of our campuses a good hand clap over at Full Throttle this morning? Man, they're over there. Guys got to ride in today. Uh, I, I want to have a conversation with you this morning that, that I, I just, I want the Holy Spirit to speak to you the way I, I sense it is in speaking to me. Now, I'm, I'm very reluctant. I'm not one of those people who goes around saying, well, God told me, and God spoke to me, and God said that. You know, some people just drive me nuts sometimes when they hear God all the time, Okay. I'm one of those who, I, I think God, I, I, I think there was something, you know, you with me? I'm just being honest with you. I don't hear him speaking to me clearly all the time. I have to navigate that. I have to navigate some of that stuff. This morning, I, I want to talk to you about why, why did God make me this way? Have you ever looked in the mirror? Have you ever looked at yourself and, and you wondered why I have certain features? And I know we say, well, genetics, and I look like my dad, and my mom's always telling me, said, oh, you look so much like your dad as you, as you get up, you'll just shave your beard. And Yeah, mom, okay. But, um, but we, we, we live in a culture where we have a tendency that many people will place value on people based on their usefulness to them. And yet the Scripture teaches us that every one of us are valuable because each of us are made into likeness in the image of God. You understand that? And if you and I as Christ followers, if we truly believe that, now if you're here and you're checking out the church, you're checking out Christianity, maybe, but, but as, as, as a Christ follower, it means that we have to be willing to view every person that we meet, those with disabilities, those with special needs, we, we have to be intentional to view them differently than the way the world views them. And as we said earlier with the statistics, one out of six children have a disability. They're one out of four adults. I mean, there, there's an entire people group of, of, of families out there that is going unnoticed by the majority part of the church. 95% of families that have children with disabilities will not attempt to go to church on Sunday mornings. Does it not blow you away? 95% says it's too hard to go to church because if I go to church, they won't understand my child. They won't have a ministry for my child. I'll get frustrated. I'll get called out of church so they, so they don't even try. Now, if you've been around Heartland very long, you know that, that ministering to children and to families with disabilities has, has been a high priority of this church. We've always had ministry geared towards that. We've always had 
ministries that, that we desire to make sure that, that families could come in here regardless of what, what their needs was, that somehow or another they could feel that this is a loving, accepting place that they can be ministered to. And yet in the last few years, we just said, what would it look like if we upped the ante? What would it look like if we become one of those churches that are going beyond the call of duty? Not just the norm, not just adding on a little bit of a tack on ministry. What if we decided that we was going to be intentional about going after these families? And in doing that, I hear people ask me all the time, well, why are we doing this? Why are we about to spend more money on one facility than we spilt on all of our facilities in the last 23 years. $15 million is a little bit of money. Come on. Now, some of you, just, just relax. I'm not going to take up an offering, okay? I'm not going after your pocketbooks today. I'm going after your heart. But it's a legit, it's, 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 it's a legit question, right? Come on, why? Why are we doing this? Why at the age, it started with me about two years ago, why at the age of 66 would I decide to take on a project that's probably going to engulf the next 23, 25 years of my life? Most of the people at the age of 66, they're looking for off-ramps. Most people at the age of 66, they're looking for places that they can slow down and take care of themselves. Why in the world do we have a pastor at the age of 66 decided we're not going to slow up, we're going to do more? Why at the age of 66 do we just decide to say, wait a minute, why don't we just relax and let's just kick back a little bit. We're soon going to pass the baton to, uh, baton to somebody else and let's just kind of kick back. No, no, no. That's just not the way I'm designed. But secondly, that isn't the heart of God. You follow me? So, I want you to look at Luke chapter 14. I want to talk to you about why are we doing this. Luke chapter 14, beginning with verse 7, the Bible said when Jesus noticed that all who had come to dinner were trying to sit in the seats of honor near the head of the table, he gave them this advice. How many, under, how many believe this, it's good to take the advice of Jesus? Come on, am I going to get, maybe I can get some help there. You think it's good to listen to what Jesus has to say? Sure. So he gives some advice. He said, when you're invited to a wedding feast, don't sit in the seat of honor. What if someone is more distinguished than you has also been invited? The host would come to you and say, you know, Pastor Phil, would you give this person this seat? And then Pastor Phil's going to be embarrassed, and you'll have to take whatever seat is left at the foot of the table. I've been there. I understand that. I know what that feels like. Instead, take the lowest place at the foot of the table. Then when your host sees you, he will come and say, friend, we have a better place for you. Then you will be honored in front of all the other guests. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Okay, you, you, you set the, so what's this? Jesus is going to home in on two things that we all have need of this morning. Number one, every one of us have got need of recognition. 
We want to be recognized. We, we want to be perceived as somebody important. And then he says, in verse 12, then he turned to his host. When you put on a luncheon or a banquet, he said, don't invite your friends, brothers, relatives, and rich neighbors, for they will invite you back, and that will be your only reward. So first of all, he's dealing with my own nature of wanting to be noticed or recognized. And then he deals with my, really my heart, is that every one of us want to be rewarded. Right? Come on. We, we love to get rewarded. We, we want recognition and we want to receive a reward. He's dealing with that. He said, that will be your reward. He said, instead... Invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind. Then at the resurrection of the righteous, God will reward you for inviting those who could not pay. Now just think about that. Jesus said, rather than being motivated by self-interest in how we treat others, what if we decided to serve people and extend hospitality to them, not because of what's in it for us, but what's in it for them? And sadly, many people miss out on that blessing that is now in our culture right in front of us. One out of four adults, one out of six kids. We miss out on the opportunity in loving and accepting individuals that has disabilities and families that has disabilities simply because sometime we're waiting for our own recognition. We want some type of reward. And Jesus said, you really want recognition? He said, humble yourself and you'll be exalted. But he, then he said, I want you to do for those less fortunate than one day when the righteous is resurrected. Guess what? God's going to reward you. Over the last several years, we started asking ourselves some questions. And these are questions that I started putting in my prayer time as we, as, as a church, are we missing an opportunity to learn from individuals with disabilities? What is this need that is growing in our culture? Listen, folks, I'm not talking about a disease that's going to be cured, okay? You understand that? We're not talking about a fad that's going to go away. We're talking about autism or disability that is growing in large numbers as we've never seen in our culture before. So, so when, when, when we think about that, we, we start asking the question, maybe what, listen, are we missing an opportunity to learn something from these families or these children with disabilities? And then secondly... How many times do we fail to acknowledge that they too are children of God? They're not misfits. They're not accidents. They're children of God. And then lastly, are we missing the powerful witness that is often betrayed or portrayed by the lives of these men and women through their experiences? See, what I've discovered and what we're figuring out in this church is that disability is the elephant in the room in our culture today. 
And I think sometimes that many people are frightened by disability because sometimes I think it reminds us of our own vulnerabilities. When you see somebody has a limited uh, uh, ability to be able to comprehend or speak or talk or walk or whatever the disability is, sometimes we want to ignore that because we don't want to stop and realize how vulnerable we all are in our own different ways. I don't know about you, but I realize every day I'm not perfect. <laughs> you ever notice that? There's some inconsistencies about my life. And it often reminds us that full inclusion of all of God's kids is so, so important. Now, again, we're doing this as a church. Again, I'm, I know I'm talking to the choir, whether you're here and, or Wadita and Norchasen and uh, at Hebron. I, I know, listen, but I want us to understand why are we doing such a thing? Why would we spend so much of our time and our treasure to say, this is something we want to go after because I believe this is a group that Jesus is talking about. These are the ones that we should be inviting. Somebody told me just the other day, I've heard it 23 years since I've been here at some point. Somebody says, oh, you know, Pastor Phil, if you could just get this person to come to your church, oh, they have so much influence. And you know what? I looked at him and said, I'm going to love the people that nobody wants, and God is going to keep sending me the people that everybody wants. There's some of you sitting here today, there's some churches, they would love to have you in, in their congregation. Because, God, listen, I know, your, I know your value. I know your influence. But listen, we constantly pursue the people that nobody wants. The EGRs, the one that needs the extra grade, the ones that sometimes they get overlooked and said, hey, you don't sit up front. We want you sitting in the back. It's the reason why in December the 8th, we're going to have a Christmas concert, and we're going to fill this stage up with disability children and adults, and they're going to be doing Christmas songs. Nobody in Northwest Indiana has ever done it like this. These kids and these adults are going to be the highlight of a Christian, of a Christmas uh, concert that's going to be put on right here in this church. Front seat on the stage. We started sharing that vision with some of our parents that we've been networking with. And you see some of the photos there. And some of these parents just light up. My child loves music. They would love, they're going to be on stage. I said, yes, it's only them. It's disability, some type, whatever, physically, emotionally, man, we don't care. We're going to let them sing Christmas music and let them glorify God. We started talking about this and started saying, God, well, why, why are you calling us to this? I love in John chapter 9 that Jesus forever breaks the tie between sin and disability. Jesus is walking along. He sees this man that, that has been born blind, and, and his disciples come to him immediately. They said, Rabbi, why was this man born blind? Was it because of his own sins or his parents? And Jesus said, it's not because of his sins or the parent, but this has happened so that the works of God may be glorified. You know what Jesus is trying to listen? I've been around those churches that want to identify every type of disability as some type of demon possession. I've been around those people who want to classify some type of disability as being demonic. Jesus said, listen, I want you to know this has happened so that the works of God may be made manifest. 
Disability doesn't have to be stigmatized to the point that it's classified as something unclean. Never should we blame the victim or the victim's parents. Well, that's good preaching right there. That's good preaching right there. Some of you need to hear that because you have a tendency to be around voices today that immediately just wants to be so spiritual that you want to blame the victim of that, of, that, of that disability for something that they did or didn't do or maybe the victim's parents of that. And Jesus said, listen, that's neither none of those things are happening. And again, I love this church that we understand that. We, 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 we are stepping out where nobody's stepping out. Nobody's doing what we're doing. And why? It's important because this is what really touches the heart of God. This is what moves us to the point one day that everybody in this room, you want some type of reward? I tell you what, you start doing for those that have no ability to do anything back for you. You start loving the unlovable. You start going to the forgotten places and loving the forgotten people, and then you start seeing the blessing of God open over your life. Why, this is what touches God's heart. We had a Zoom call Wednesday night with some of our partners, and uh, some, some of you, some of you were, were online for that. And uh, we had an architect and Josh and Building God's Way that we're working with. We're almost 50% through with this with our plan. But I want you, I say part of this, I want you to listen to this video with me. It's a few minutes, but just I want you to listen to Josh as he, as he talks to you about what I'm saying at, with, with, with confirmation that I'm not just saying something to be said. Listen to Josh for a minute. I, I do want to echo something that that, that, that Dr. Phil was, was, had mentioned about, about church design. We're, we're kind of unique in that that's, that's all we do. I mean, that's, I've been with BGW for 22 years now, and, and that's all I do are Christian churches and Christian schools across the country. We don't see um, this type of, this type of pivot to this ever growing need for these for, for special needs like, like we're doing here at the Sunshine Center. We do a lot of projects that have a sensory room. It may have a small room that is dedicated for that, but to have a whole project that's, that really is geared with that in mind and, and a focus on that, it's, it's truly unique. So there, it, uh, I, just wanted, I just wanted to mention that. Yeah. So Dr. Phil had, had asked to just give a quick update. This, this process that we're on, that we're in the construction documents phase. And um, a, a lot of times people just think it's, you know, one person at a computer. But we've got about 15, a team of about 15 people working on your project right now. Architects, engineers, mechanical engineers, structural engineers, plumbing engineers, electrical engineers, all of us working to, to develop this plan for you, all in working in a BIM model. That's another thing that's, that's, that, that we do. We're all, we're all working, we're all building this uh, building digitally for you. And I've, I've got something to show you here at the tail end of this little mini presentation where we're gonna, we're gonna do just a quick little add. I had Casey Grimley, another architect that's working on the project with us, put together just a quick fly through through the 3D model. So we're gonna, we're gonna roll through that in, in just a minute here. Again, this is coming straight out of our, 
of our BIM 3D model um, for you here. This is not something that we've embellished for this. I, I literally had Casey run a camera through our through our building, through your future building um, for this for this mini presentation. It, it goes it goes a little it goes a little bit quick, and that's just a yeah. product of, of of how it is. But we don't have a whole lot of time here either. But you can see as we make our way through the lobby here and into the main the main field house space you know as it currently stands has four full size practice courts that 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 are that we're seeing in 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 a in a perpendicular view here so there are four practice courts there are two primary courts we have uh, four full size volleyball courts and outlines um, to allow for for pickleball in this space as well we've got the preliminary duck going up in this space that's 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 feeding air um, off of off of a, a rooftop area, but you can see we're making the transition between our athletic flooring to our turf flooring that is over in the batting cage area here. We have um, hardened storm shelter um, rooms um, for you. They're, they're not true FEMA storm shelters, but they are hardened rooms. These are rooms that are encased by concrete from the floors, walls, and ceiling. Everything is 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 concrete. Um, in those in those rooms to to give some measure of security um, during a during a storm event. From here, we we actually swing into the weight room, and you can see that the weight room off to the side here has both a storefront assembly. So that's a that's a glass wall that overlooks into the into the the gymnasium, the field house portion. And then what's what's showing up on the left here? This is a this is a this is a sectional glass and steel door that allows these two spaces to, to pretty much join each other um, when you want them joined together. Going into the, the actual weight room space in, 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 in this view, and then out the weight room entry. <laughs> and there's my motorcycle right in front, okay? You gotta, gotta have the icon there. Isn't that amazing? Come on. Isn't that amazing? Wow. And, you know, and, and the reason why, again, this field house, we're going to use it, but listen, there's two main things that, that kids with disability and adults that they struggle with. Number one is obesity, because they don't have any places to really go and connect and, and have active. And then the second one is depression. You understand how small relational networks that most of these families with disability children or adults have. Once they leave the schoolhouse, they go home, they have a caregiver, they have a parent, maybe a sibling. Their relational, their relationship network shrinks down to almost nothing. So you wonder why they, they have so much um, depression going on and obesity. And we're going to be answering that. Again, we're going to be, we're building a facility where these kids can be involved. And then you've seen the exercising room. Here's another thing. Most parents that have children with some type of autism or disability, they don't have time to go to gyms. They don't have time to have self-care and work out. What better way while your child is here for an hour program, I don't have one, you go into that exercise and you can have me time. You can take care of yourself. You can exercise. You can de you know, decompress a little bit. You can be able to take care of yourself. What better way to be able to do that than some type of facility like that? 
It's just absolutely amazing what we're undertaking with this project. So again, many of you are helping us. You're praying with us because, listen, can I tell you, you understand there, there are people that doesn't want to see this succeed? Yeah, you, you, you do understand that. You do understand that there's people that want to keep their head in the sand as if this growing number of, of adults and kids with disabilities isn't happening. Listen, I guarantee if I had time to take a survey in this room at one of all, in North Johnson, at Hebrew, listen, every one of us in this room either have been personally or relationally impacted by somebody that has a disability. It might have been born that way. It might have happened by an accident. It might have come through a genetic however. But listen, we, we have been impacted by that. So all I'm saying is what would happen? What's going to happen to a church in a community like Heartland when we open our hearts and we say, God, we want to be that church that leads the way. We want to have this huge banquet, and we don't want to go out and get the rich. We don't want to get the famous. We don't want to get it. We want to invite those that everybody else are forgetting about. Well, good preaching, Pastor Phil. I, 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 don't know, I don't know how you process this, so I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to assume you're feeling the way I feel. If you're not, I'm praying for you. So let me, let me look, look, look at Romans chapter 9. In this passage, Paul is going to address people that has the audacity to question God in his sovereignty. He said, you will say to me then, why does he still find fault? For who resists his will? On the contrary, who are you, old man, who answers back to God? The thing molded will not say to the molder, why did you make me like this, will it? Or does not the potter have the right over the clay to make from the same lump one vessel of honor use and another for common use. Now watch this. Paul begins by, by saying, he said, who are we who answers back to God? That, that This is more than just trying to say, God, I, 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 you know, this person was born with this or this happened. It's, it's more than just asking God a question. It, it's going to the point that we are challenging God. It's going to the point that there are people that looks at families, our individuals, our children, and adults with disabilities, and somehow or another, you, you say it to God or you say it to yourself. Is that really just? Hey, God, is that really fair? Is that right? Now, Paul's drawing from this Old Testament imagery of the sovereignty of God. Jeremiah said the word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord saying, Arise, go down to the potter's house. And there I will announce my words to you. Then I went down to the potter's house, and there he was making something on the wheel. You, you, you get the energy? God's creating his sovereignty. But the vessel that he was making of clay was spoiled in the hand of the potter. Does it say how it was spoiled? Does it make a doesn't make an assumption that somehow or another the genetics lined up for this. This clay was bad, but he said it was spoiled in the hand of the potter. So he remade it into another vessel as it pleased the potter to make. And then the last part of that, behold, like the clay in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. So God uses brokenness 
of people to reveal His glory. People get wounded in this broken world that we live in right now. Genetics go bad. But just because they go bad, do we have a right to say somehow or another, they have no worth, they have no use. I was in a meeting the other day. Now again, if you get totally bored with this, just, just leave real quietly, okay? But I was in a meeting just the other day, and this 82-year-old mom has a 71-year-old child with disabilities. She has no family. She has no relatives. And she is now very sick. And she said, I don't know what's going to happen to my son. And the person in charge simply said, your son will probably end up in a shelter. And with his disabilities and his mental capacity and his anger issues, he's probably going to hurt somebody. He'll probably end up in jail. He'll probably end up in prison. And in prison, he will get killed himself. How do you process that? You follow? How, how, do you, how do you process such a dilemma? And again, we know we can't do everything in this culture. We know we can't fix every problem. But what would happen if we decided as a church that we're going to step up and we're going to do something? You follow me? We can't save everybody. We can't, we can't. But can we help one? Yes, we're doing that now. So let me give you five truths from the Scripture real quickly. And I promise you, I'll, I'll try to move fastly. Every time Jesus heals somebody, he, he gave evidence of the sovereignty of God in their lives. But the first truth is just very simple, that we have to believe the fact that we are all fearfully and wonderfully made by Jesus Christ. Colossians 1, 15 and 16 said that he made all things that we can see, things we can't see, such as thrones and kingdoms and rulers and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. We have to believe that. Everything included you and me were, were, were created for him. Every person in this world was created in the likeness and the image of God. Psalms 139 says that, that you created my innermost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb, and I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Do you understand there are millions of people that looks at a child with disabilities and they will not believe that they are fearfully and wonderfully made? They see adults that are not normal, that have some type of struggle in their life, physically or mentally or emotionally, and listen, they will not acknowledge that they are fearfully and wonderfully made. There are people who still believe through atheism that we're just an evolution, that we're just product of time. Millions of sales, single organism have just run amok, and we're just cosmic accidents. Listen to Richard Dawson. He's a vowed atheist. Oxford. Ooh. Listen to what Richard says. In a universe of blind physical forces and genetic replication, some people are going to get hurt and other people are going to get lucky. 
And you won't find any rhyme or reason in it, nor any justice. There is at the bottom no design, no purpose, no evil, no other good, nothing but blind, pitless indifference. DNA neither, neither knows nor cares. What an empty worldview. That stands totally against what the Bible says. We are fearfully, wonderfully made. The sunshines of the world, listen, they are the crowning glory of God's creation just like every other person is. Even with their struggles, listen, even with, the, with their limitations, we, they, listen, they must know and they must experience the fact that there's people around them that they believe that they too were created in the likeness and the image of God, that they were knit together. There was no random accident. Even if their bodies don't function normal, they're still beautiful, they're still wonderfully made. No, some get lucky, some don't. Are you kidding me? One chromosome is all sunshine. Sunshine has one chromosome more than, than most every person or every person that doesn't have talent. Are you kidding me? She, she just got unlucky. Is that the philosophy you want to live by? You understand that's why? I tread softly, but you understand that's why? Children that have been diagnosed with some type of disability before birth, that abortion rate with those children are greater, even larger than those of normal children. We have to be a prophetic voice. You understand that? We have to be a prophetic voice. That we are all fearfully and wonderfully made by Jesus Christ himself. Secondly, though the, the, the plan of our lives is different, the purpose of our lives is the same. We were created by Jesus for Jesus, created by God for God. Everyone, Isaiah says, everyone who was called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. We all exist for him. You understand that? Even the sunshines of the world, part of their purpose was going to be fulfilled on the earth. Here, the rest is going to be filled in heaven. But none of us, none of us can really estimate the magnitude of how they fulfill their purpose either way. I've seen people that, that had, the, had, had the experience and blessing of being around children with disabilities, some type of abnormality, and their whole life, they, they added value to them. They've seen how much worth that they brought to that. Listen, we have no idea how God in his intimate wisdom and what he's doing in the life of those children. Sunshine taught me more about forgiveness than I could have ever learned in any Bible study. It's the reason why I carry it. Listen, my, my, my list of unforgiving people is short-lived. Why? She teaches me how it's better to live and let things go. She can get mad at me and upset to me, but five minutes later she comes back. She says, I'm sorry, Dr. Phil, I love you. I love you, Dr. Phil. Who's the normal one? 
We got some adults 40 years old, and you're still carrying a grudge in high school. Somebody hurt me. You know, two weeks ago, I come to church, and I said, and nobody said nothing to me. Get over it. Don't let people rule your lives like that. Listen, God, their, their, their plan may be different, but the purpose is always the same. We're created for his glory. And just because somebody can't walk or talk or think or act like we do doesn't mean that God created them for any less of purpose. Though their plan is different, the purpose is all the same. And here's the third truth. The hope of Jesus guarantees that this fallen world is not the final word. That's what we have to live on. It, 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 it's broader and bigger than the story that we see right now. And listen, the pain is real for parents. The pain is real. The hurt is real. The disappointment is real. But what you and I have been called to do to come along beside them and say, listen, this world is not all there is. From the beginning, God didn't create a heartache. From the beginning, listen, God created a perfect world. There was no natural disasters. There was no hurricanes. There was no tornadoes. There was no, uh, 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 you know, moral disasters or murders or trafficking or cancer or sickness or pain. Adam and Eve blew it. But listen, there's going to be a day that God is going to render all of that pointless when he brings his power in full display in every heart and every life. But right now we live in this fallen world. There's sin, there's Satan, there's self. And the Bible teaches us that if someone has a disability or special need, or if they've hit by cancer, if they have a tornado or hurricane hits their house, if their house burns up through some fire, listen, it, it, it did not happen just because that there was sin in that person's life or that parent's life. The Bible doesn't teach that. But the good news of the Bible is that, listen, this is not all there is. All the fullness of God was pleased to dwell in Jesus Christ. He came to reconcile himself to all things. I love that. God's going to fix all of this one day. He's going to take away all the pain. And through Jesus, sin has been conquered and disabilities and death will be conquered one day. There will be no sin. There will be no sorrow. There will be no special need. And listen, all of that is wrapped up in our hope of Jesus. And I know that there's still people who says, but Pastor Phil, I look at the stories of suffering or, or I look at the stories of disabilities, and, and that's why I don't believe in God. How can I believe in God, they say. And I look at them and I say, how can you not believe in God? Is the atheistic worldview better? For the sunshines and the thousands of kids like her, listen, the final word, did, did you just didn't get lucky? You, you, did, you hear what, did you hear what Dawkins said? There's no justice. There will be no justice in the end. There will be no purpose, just blind, pitless indifference. Really, is that how you want to live your life? 
Or you want to live your life of saying, listen, I don't understand this deformity. I don't understand this disease. I don't understand this brokenness. But I do know that this world is not all that there is, that God is one day going to reconcile this world and himself, and it will be perfect. There will be no more sickness or disability. There will be none of those things when we get together with Jesus in heaven one day. God, I'd rather live my life by that. It's why we have such a longing to be with Jesus. I wish I had time for this, and I don't. But let me just give you a little bit. Why I believe that the Bible teaches that children and adults with intellectual disabilities who may not be able to comprehend fully what it means to accept Jesus Christ, why I believe the Bible teaches that we can be confident that they're safe in the arms of Jesus. There's just a few, and I, 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 I navigate this sometimes with families, particularly we, can just, we just go on the character of God, the, 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 the goodness of God that is revealed in the Word of God makes it clear that, that everything that, that God does is good and right and just, and while we may not see it in this world, we're going to see it in the world to come. Because the Bible clearly teaches that we know sin separates us from God, but, but when, when, when we look at children, that when we look at how, how God delighted in, the, in, in, in showing goodness to children, you often see Jesus about, suffer little children to come unto me. The Bible expresses confidence that believers are going to see their children one day after death. You can, you can read the story in, in 2 Samuel 12 and when David and, and committed the sin with Bathsheba and he married her and the baby was born and the baby dies and David says, listen, I, I cannot go to him. He said, he said I, can't, I can't bring him back to me. He said, but one day I will go to him even though he can't return to me. David, David comforted Bathsheba by saying, listen, we're going to see our little baby again. We're going to, to be with them again. And finally, the reason is that God judges people and young children differently than, than he does those who, who comprehend fully because he, the, the, the age of accountability and their understanding of that. Somebody said, yeah, but I thought everybody had to have Jesus to go to heaven. Well, listen, it's understanding that God deals with that heart and the relationship that that child or that adult can have. That's the reason why it's so important that we do ministry to these families. 95% of families that have disabilities won't even go to church. And listen, they need to listen. I have pastors, listen, I've literally had pastors tell me in the last few years, Pastor Phil, why in the world would you spend the last few years of your elder life, your, your years of retirement, your years of slowing down, why would you spend that and $15 million to minister to kids that are going to go to heaven when they die anyway? Oh, I almost hit them when they do that. Oh, I almost do. I don't, but I say this. Listen, I know I'm going to go to heaven. I've, I'm confident that when I die, I'm in his arms. But just because I have that confidence, I would not want any person to rob from me the joy, the peace, the comfort that I experience in my everyday walk with Jesus. 
the communion that I have with him right now. He helps me navigate. Listen, why in the world would we ever deny these children and these adults that same opportunity? They need to feel the love of God. And sometimes the only way they feel the love of God is through our hands and through our arms. And they know that somebody cares for them other than a parent or other than somebody that's being paid to care for them. So I believe with all my heart that one day somebody asked me after the first service, said, well, Pastor Phil, you, you think when, when uh, Sunshine gets to heaven, you, you think she'll still look like Sunshine? I said, well, her look doesn't, doesn't make up her personality. I, I think the wholeness, of the, the, the slanted eyes, the the, 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 her, her tongue enlarged, the roof, all of that is part of that deformity that happens to Down's kids. But her personality is her personality. And, and, and I'm of the belief, and again, if I'm wrong, we'll, we'll find out when we get to heaven. You probably won't never know now. But, but what, what if, I, if, if, if I, the way I feel that when I get to heaven, she's going to look normal, but we'll, I still know her as sunshine. You follow me? Same way about a baby. A baby won't stay a baby. Nobody wants to change diapers in heaven. That won't be much heaven. Oh, for the next thousand years, you got nursery duty, you got nursery duty, you got nursery No. Truth number four. I got to go real quick, I promise. Truth number four. Again, these are things we got to hold on to. The glory of Jesus spreads through his joy and strength in the middle of suffering. I want you to get this. When you, when you look at Colossians chapter 1, Paul, Paul says this, Indeed, if we continue in faith and stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, became a minister, the next verse says, I am glad when I suffer for you in my body. Really? I am glad that I suffer, for I am participating in the sufferings of Christ that continue for his body, the church. What a phrase. Christ is the hope of glory. But Paul said, listen, I rejoice in my suffering. Well, what, what, what is it made practically? Now listen, think about this. If you and I profess Christ, if you and I say, you know, we're Christ followers, and if everything goes our way, if we never have any problems, if we never have any trouble, if we never have to deal with cancer in our family or disability in our family, if somehow or another we live in this plastic bubble where everybody looks at us and we're just prosperous and we have everything, do you think we have much of a testimony to the world about that? Anybody could profess that you love Jesus when everything's going good. Matter of fact, it's only when things are going bad that our faith sometimes is truly tested. But when things decidedly take when, when things decidedly take a different turn and they don't go well, when our family starts struggling, when we get a, a, a report, we got cancer, when we get a report that our parents is dealing with this, when we get a report that our child is born with this or our grandchild is this. Listen, when, when that begins to happen and yet in the middle of our struggle for others to look at us and see a supernatural joy. 
What a testimony. You follow me? What a testimony. What a testimony when, when we're all the ones. Oh, I, that, that person goes to church. Again, people have asked me over the years, Pastor Phil, if Sunshine wasn't born to you and Rhonda and your family, which one of your siblings would you have preferred she be born to? It's a good question. Am I going to thank the one that I don't like the most? <laughs> oh, am I going to think about the one who I think has the most love? Now, to be honest with you, 46 years ago, had it not happened to us or had it been right before she was born, had the angel Lord come to me said, hey, you know, Phil, you and Rhonda can have this child or I can send this child into somebody else's womb and they're going to deliver, which do you prefer? I would, I would honestly have to say, God, I'd rather for it to come our way because I don't understand this. I don't even have an answer for it, but I just feel like if I stay true to you, ultimately, you're going to get glory for this. And isn't that the real testimony? We've got parents right here in this church, and, and when we talk about evangelizing, we, we talk about, you know, witnessing the people, and they, they tell me all the time, you know, Pastor, I've got this doctor's appointment, I have to go to this therapy, I have to do all of that. And they say, you know, I just feel so bad that I don't get to show up and I don't get to serve here. And listen, I tell them all the time, you're already spreading the gospel through your testimony. You taking care of that child, you ministering to them, you taking care and, and demonstrating love, you are sending out a radical message of the joy of the Lord being your strength. So don't ever feel bad that you can't get involved in this or that or the other. Because we understand the fact that God's glory is ultimately manifested in those things. Lastly, number five, come on, Pastor Lindsay. The gospel of Jesus Christ compels us to trust him with humility and share him with urgency. The gospel of Jesus Christ compels us to trust him with humility and share him with urgency. I believe with all my heart There are people that are having to navigate in this broken world, a child, a sibling that has disabilities, some type of deformity. Some of it was genetic. Some of it happened at birth. Some happened later in life. Some was diagnosed. You, you heard Joe's story. Micah was, was several years old before they started recognizing it. And they find themselves sometimes wondering, does God really care about me? Why did God punish me? There have been more than us. Rhonda and I was told, and there's been others, that I guarantee you, you heard this same message through somebody. Oh, your child is deformed, your child has disability. What's wrong with you? What did you do? What sin did you commit? Can you imagine the weight that some parents carry with that? 
Divorce is higher in families that have children born with disabilities than, than quote, and I mean, we're still at 35, 40%, just the average family. But can you imagine the divorce rate? You know why the divorce rate is higher? Because of the blame game. It's your fault. It's your family line. It's your, it's your lineage. It come from your side. You did this. You did that. And I'm not denying that there's, there's not some disabilities in our culture today because of bad choices and, 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 and things there. You know, when somebody is an alcoholic and, 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 and they, they get pregnant and they continue to drink or smoking, all of those things have been tied to, to autism. To, to form. I'm, I'm not denying that. But can you imagine the, the, the hope? Get, throw that last point up one more time, Chris. Can you imagine the... The, the, the hope that is given to families when, when they realize that there's people in their lives that, that care about them, that has an urgency, that has this urgency to trust Jesus and share that and that humility. What's worse with somebody having Down syndrome that quite can't comprehend the plan of salvation on the Romans road? Or if you have all your mental capacity and you stand there in your pride and you refuse to humble yourself, for we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. What's, what's really worse? We, we have to trust Him with humility. We have to recognize that, that we ourselves need a Savior. And one final thing, I didn't put this in the notes. But if you're a parent here, if you're a grandparent, if you know somebody, I want you to write down the word grow in your notes. Just write G-R-O-W. Come on, do this, do this, because some of you need this. Some of you need this. Write down the word grow. And here's the acrostic of the word grow. The letter G stands for grieve. You have to be willing to take time to grieve of your ideas and your plans and your dreams that you had for that child before you got word that they are born with a disability. It's important to grieve. Rhonda and I had so many dreams. We had so many ideas. We had so many aspirations that we had lined out because I'm a planner. We had all this stuff before sunshine was born and the doctor walked in the room and he said one simple phrase, that rocked my world. He said, your child is retarded. Now, she's not. She asked Rhonda earlier. She said, tell Dr. Phil I'm not retarded. <laughs> but that was the word that they used 46 years ago. You understand? Everything that I had planned, every dream, every, everything that I had vision, I had to let go of it right there. You have to take time to grieve. Secondly, you have to repent. The R stands for repent. Repent of the time that you find yourself looking at other kids and you start comparing your child with that child. Repent of the time that you have other siblings and you compare your child with a sibling in the house. Listen, they, you listen, you have to believe that every one of those children bring a uniqueness into your family. So the letter O stands for observe. Stop, grieve, repent, stop, observe, look at the beauty, look at the talent, look at the gifts that that autistic child brings into your family. Look at the uniqueness 
that they have, their personality. I think if anything, Lord, give sunshine to us just to try to slow me down sometime. Because listen, sunshine has two speeds, slow and slower. If I try to rush her, if I have a plan, and Friday's usually our day to try to hang out a little bit, and I have to take her with me to even my, the, the meetings that I've been doing for the last year and a half or so on Friday. I have to t- but listen, I have to plan longer, and I have to know that I can't rush her. If I rush her, she slows down. So you observe, and then lastly, willingly let go of your will for them and embrace God's will for them. That makes sense? What is God's will for this child? What is God's God plan? The plans may be different, but the purpose is, is the same. They were created in the likeness and image of God for his glory and his honor. God, what's your will for her? Willingly embrace. And listen, some of you here today, and listen, I, and I know this, this was just... This was a dinner conversation, and I appreciate you listening to me. I want you to know why we're doing what we do. I want you to know why we value the people that majority of this world no longer values. I was told just the other day, said, you know, Pastor Phil, in our culture, in our world today, the government more and more is wanting to rid these children and adults out of our culture because they have they, they consider them to be nuisance. They're eating up our, our health care programs. They eat up our capacities for, for, for programs, and, and, and they're wanting them to just go away. Can I tell you, they're not going away. God's got a purpose for them. And we as a church are going to embrace that. Thank you for listening to Heartland Christian Center Sermon of the Week. If you would like to partner with us and give, please go to hcc.ag and click to give tab. Please like, follow, and share this podcast with others. Also, if you have a prayer request or want to contact Heartland, please email us at pastorphil at hcc3d.com. Have a blessed week.